0: Thank you very much. Shall we just pray to start? Father God, we thank you that you are a good and faithful God. We thank you that you are worthy of all the glory that we can give you. And God, I pray that through this morning that we will be equipped to be able to glorify you more through how we behave towards one another and through the relationships that we have And in giving you the glory in those relationships, that it would signpost other people to get to know you as their Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Ben said, I'm carrying on our Glorify God series. And last week Ben talked about what does glorify actually mean. And there was a few definitions that he gave that I just want to recap on because they really helped me that to glorify means to make something richer or weightier, that to glorify means to beautify or to boast upon something, and to glorify means to magnify and make something bigger. I don't know about you, but when I listened to Ben last week, and if you missed it last week, please go and listen online, because it was a great message but I want to make God bigger in my relationships. I want to make God have more of an impact in my life and the relationships that I have. And very often when we talk about relationships, we think about a husband and a wife, but there's so much more than just that. There's the relationship that you have with your parents, there's the relationship, if you have them, that you have with your children, there's the relationship that you have with your friends and your colleagues and those people who live within your street, there's the relationship that you may have with a husband or a wife, with your partner. There are many, many relationships that I hope what I'm going to talk about will fit into for you this morning. And, you know, relationships aren't always easy. Sometimes they're great Sometimes they're difficult. Some relationships we may find easier than other relationships that we have. And relationships need steering in a direction to keep them healthy and to keep them strong. Relationships need upkeep and looking after. We've recently done some work at the back of our house on a wall that was a retaining wall that was really passed on its last legs And it's taken a number of months to do it, and it's almost complete now. There's just a bit of paintwork that needs to go on. But it was the upkeep that needed to happen. And because that wall hadn't been upkept over the years before we moved in and then since, you sort of patch things up. But you've got to go deeper sometimes to deal with things and make them work and make them to continue to work well. And sometimes we just patch things up and make them look pretty and put some flowers in front so no one can see it and get the paint out. And we can be like that with relationships sometimes. We can patch them up and hope everything will be okay. But this morning, I really want to encourage you. Let's go deeper and look at what God wants to do deep within us so that our relationships will bring glory to God and be helpful and useful in signposting people towards the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you know, it can be a battle to glorify God in those relationships because sometimes relationships are just messy. Sometimes relationships just go wrong. And the problem with relationships, especially if you're a control freak a little bit like I am, is the other person just does whatever they do. And you can just do whatever you do, but you can't force somebody else to do what you think is right. Like pick their socks up and put them in the wash basket. And many of these things that we would like people we're in relationship to do that they just don't do. But it's about what you do. And this morning, I want to encourage you because it's so easy to look at what the other person in whatever relationship you're thinking about this morning that you think, I know this one needs some work today. It's so easy to blame that person and to focus on that person and not actually look what you're contributing to that relationship. And I want to encourage you this morning to consider That actually, if you bring change into your life on how you behave in your relationships, on what you give to your relationships, on your contributions, then actually it will bring change to the relationship itself and then bring change to the other person or people within that relationship. The reason I know this is because when Paul and I first got married, and some of you probably heard this story before, we hit the... The honeymoon is over, period, and oh my word, what is going on now? And it was joyful, and I remember at one point going and sitting at home with my mum, thinking, I want to come home, (laughs) I don't want to go back to that man. (laughs) It's really sad, isn't it? But it was true, that was how I felt. I still do some days. (laughs) I'm only kidding relationships aren't easy they can, make, they can be difficult but the thing that brought change to our relationship I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I didn't even think about what I was doing that wasn't helpful but I prayed God change this man I will iron your shirts and pray over them God change this man I will pray over your pillow God when he sleeps change him <laughs> and you know it worked actually but not for the reasons that I thought it would Because I thought he needed to change and there were areas that he needed to change and God wanted to do a work in him. But God changed Paul and in that process, the man that Paul became made me feel even more uncomfortable about the things that I was contributing that weren't helpful in our relationship. And so it caused me to change too. So what I'm trying to say to you is, yes, pray for the other person, believe for the other person, but actually consider looking at yourself And think, what do I need to change to have a more healthy friendship? What do I need to change to get on better with my parents or with my kids? What do I need to change that will help in my relationship with my husband or my wife? It's all about looking at what we can do to therefore help bring glory to God in our relationships. Matthew 5 verse 16 says this. In the same way... Let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. Glorifying God is an individual sport, but it's also a team sport. It's something that you can do by yourself, because sometimes you will be in relationship with people who aren't even interested in God, let alone glorifying him. But it doesn't mean that you can't, as an individual, bring God into that relationship and look at glorifying him through your behavior and what you bring to it. But it's also a team sport because when you've got friendships, when you've got relationships that God is in the center of, then together the corporate praise that you can bring to God is actually quite amazing. I'm going to read it again. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. I'm going to encourage you this morning. Let's bring our good deeds into our relationships that we have with one another. But as I said originally, relationships aren't always easy. And so I've got four battles that I think, and there are many more, I'm sure, but four battles that I think that we face And if we can win them, then we will definitely bring glory to God in our relationships. And as Ben said last week, it's about endeavouring to give God our best. And if we can endeavour in our relationships, and some relationships you have to endeavor a bit more than others. But if we can endeavor in them, if we as ourselves can try and bring glory to God in them, if we can give our best to them, then it will bring transformation and change as we continue to move forward. So the first battle I think we face is this. It's God versus people. And you may think, well, is that a battle? I think it is because sometimes we can put people before our relationship with God. And I don't know where you're at with this, but I've come to a point where I've found that I need to put God first in all of my relationships. I need to invite him into every single one, that he is first and foremost in my marriage. He is first and foremost as I'm a mom. He is first and foremost with my sister. He is first and foremost with my parents. He is first and foremost with my friendships. But sometimes that's not easy. Matthew twenty-two, thirty-six 36 to 39 says this. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So it is just as important to love and relate to your neighbour, but even so, Jesus prioritised that we love the Lord our God with everything that we are. Although loving those around us is equally important, there was a priority put upon it in that it was said first and that it was called the first and the greatest Jesus wants us to put our relationship with him, our relationship with God, first and foremost. So that we invite him into those relationships. So when you pray in the morning, God help me as I relate to the people in my life. God be a part of this when things are tough because sometimes they are. God thank you that things are going so well. I'm grateful for all the blessings that you've poured out on us. That God is there in the midst of it. Whether the other person is in agreement with you or not, you can still bring God first and foremost from your perspective into that relationship. And when you do that, if those relationships are difficult, if those relationships are lopsided in the fact that those people don't really believe in God or aren't practicing in the same way that you are your faith, then it will help you to bring kindness in. It will help you to bring Patience in. It will help you to bring joy in. It will help you to bring positivity in when that's not their way of seeing things. But you can bring something else into that relationship because, first and foremost, you brought God into it. It all starts with God, it all starts with who He is, with His character, with His loving kindness, with His generosity. And he calls us sons and heirs. And in that way, we have an inheritance of all of those qualities of God that can flow through us and help us in our relationships where we can say to God God help me to be kind today help me not to get angry when I'm getting frustrated with my kids help me to remember to to ask my friends how they're doing help me to think about these people and not just focus upon myself but that we can see people as God sees us and let that overflow from us because when it all starts with him it all starts with who he is and if it all starts with who he is then we have the ability to allow that to come into us as well and be an overflow from our lives. It's all about what he did. John 3, 16 and 17 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God versus people. God put himself down first. It wasn't about what we needed to do or the, the things that we needed to do to get ourselves right. It was about God putting himself down first. And in doing that, he sent Jesus' his son to bring salvation to us all and a way back to him. God himself knew that he needed to step in first to bring change. And if God knows that, then that's something we can learn from. If God knows he needs to send his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to bring salvation, to bring change, to bring healing, to bring redemption, then we need to follow suit and invite God in first to build our relationships upon and to allow change to come into our lives. I love this quote by K.O. Manuel, and it says, The mystery of seeking God is that he is the one who finds you. So often we think, yeah, I found God. God's changed my life, but actually God was seeking you first. God is still seeking you. God is after more of you and wants to be in your relationships more and more. In every single relationship, God wants to find you in that place and be a support, be a strong tower, be a help, be your wisdom, be the things that you need to keep building that relationship strong. And I believe if we put God first, then it will overflow from us into our relationships. And the way that we love will be bigger and better. The way that we are kind will be bigger than what we could do. Our wisdom and our generosity, the things that we bring to those relationships will grow and flourish because we put God there first. Billy Graham, a very famous evangelist, said this, Our relationship must be right with God before it can be right with man. And St. Benedict said, relationships with one another are to flow out of our love for God and more importantly, his love for us. I think sometimes we can be quite afraid to bring God into our relationships because maybe they're a little bit unstable anyway. Maybe we're not quite sure how the other person feels about us. Maybe it's been a rocky season in that relationship and we think, well, if I bring God into it, what's he going to say? Is he going to tell me this relationship's not a good relationship for me and suggest I move on from it? Is he, going to, is he going to ask me to change? Is he going to ask the other person to change? What if he tells them I'm not the one for them? And sometimes we think, I'm not going to bring God in because I just don't know what he's going to do. You know, the only thing that I can say to you is the times that I have brought God into relationships that I've had that have not been right for me in the seasons that I've been in, then God has gently and gracefully given me wisdom, given me ways out of those relationships, and then has blessed me a abundantly beyond all I could ask or imagine was something so much better than the relationship I had in the first place so all I can say to you is if you find yourself in that situation allow God in allow God to speak to you listen and hear what he says ask for some help if you need it speak to your small group lead talk to your team lead ask for help but invite God in and take the wisdom To bring change if you need to bring change. God loves you and he wants the best for you and has got the best for you. Keep putting him in and putting him first. Don't put people above him. Don't block him out of relationships for fear of what he will say. But bring him in and let him bring his grace and mercy into those areas of your life. I think when God is the foundation in our relationships, then we build on solid ground. When he isn't, we have the possibility, and I'm not saying it was always, but there is the possibility that we're building on sinking sand. And I don't know about you, but I want my relationships to grow strong and to be solid and to be rooted and grounded in him and his goodness. Whether the other person is a Christian or not, we can still bring God into those relationships and believe for the best and for his love to flow in and through us into those relationships for his glory. And I think this battle, this God versus people, if we can crack this, if we can overcome in this battle, then all the other battles are so much easier. But very often we'll find ourselves coming back to this when we face other battles because if God's not first that's the place that he wants to be the second one is a bit unusual and when I sent my preach notes into the tech team they very kindly because sometimes I do make a bit of a hash of it sent a message back and saying this is one of your preach slides is this correct did you mean this and actually no I didn't the second one is this good soil versus good soil And you'd think it'd be versus bad soil. Now, bad soil is not a good thing. We don't want bad soil in our relationships. We want to move out any stones or any soil that's not got any nutrients or vitamins in or whatever soil needs to help us grow healthy and strong. We don't want those things. But you know, there's a problem with good soil as well. Good soil grows anything and everything. I don't know about you, if you've got a garden, if you've not got a garden, if you've got that block paving stuff at the front of your house that you have to get that thing out and get all the weeds from in between. Do you know what I mean? And they grow and you get it out with one of them things and then they grow and you get weed killer on it and then they grow and they just keep growing. Good soil produces the same whatever, whether it's fruit, whether it's a plant you want to grow, or whether it's weeds. If there is good soil, stuff will grow in it. If your relationships are good and healthy and there's stuff to be done and grown in it, then there is also the opportunity for weeds to sneak in and grow. And the one thing I know about weeds is they really don't need much help they just grow it's like I'm not watering you I keep pulling you up I'm not giving you any food and the rose next to you is really struggling but why and they just grow they grow in places like out of walls they grow through block paving normal plants don't grow that you don't get a nice petunia growing up through your block paving but no but up come the weeds Weeds will grow anywhere. So if you've got some good soil in your life or in your relationships, weeds are bound to get in there and try and grow and take over what you are trying to cultivate. The parable of the sower in Matthew 13. And it talks about getting rid of the bad soil, shallow soil. Soil with stones in it. Things that have got like thorns and that that don't help things grow. And if we don't deal with this sort of soil, then we can never go any deeper. But when we do go deeper and we do get the deep soil, we then need to look at taking care of it. We need to look at getting rid of the weeds. We need to look at removing them out and not just doing it once a year. Otherwise, you'll find yourself living in a jungle. But cultivating that soil needs to happen on a weekly a daily basis we we've had like the back garden done and we've got an area where there's like a raised bed and we put some roses in and it looks really nice and then about two days later it was just like where's the soil gone chickweed was everywhere so we sort of pulled it all up and got it all out and then a few days later it was sprouting again so we pulled it all up and got it all out It takes work when you've got good soil in your relationships. When relationships are going well, it still takes work to make sure things don't creep in that are gonna cause a mess. To make sure your communication stays good with the people you're relating to. To make sure anger and bitterness doesn't get in and take over. You've got to pull these things out. Keep a short record of wrongs. Don't go to bed angry. All of these things that the Bible teaches if we don't work hard in our relationships, then these weeds will grow up and they will damage the good soil that you've worked so hard to work on and get there. Just because there's good soil in a relationship doesn't mean it is free from things coming against it. In fact, sometimes it means you've got to work even harder to make sure those weeds and those thorns and those prickly, horrible ones that you try and pull up and they spike you even through the gloves to make sure those things don't grow up in your relationships. Charles Spurgeon said this, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Can I encourage you in your relationships? Take the word of God into them. Speak goodness, breathe life, encourage one another, pray for one another, put all those things in that cause your relationship to work hard together, that takes out anything that isn't good and healthy in it. I believe God wants us to have good soil in our lives, but I don't want us to be so naive that we think when we've got good soil, we've done it. That's the end of it. Because that's when a whole new level of something else is going to come and start damaging what you're trying to grow in your relationships. Look for the good in one another instead of focusing on the bad. Be grateful for what you have instead of thinking, I wish that other person was my mum. I remember as a child growing up and my mum had lovely long locks and I was a bit embarrassed. I'm sorry mum if you're listening online. I was a bit embarrassed by her, and I always have this thing now with Paul when we go to somewhere and I'll say, do I look all right? I'm not embarrassing, him. I'm not going to embarrass him. Unfortunately, I married Paul, who is extremely embarrassing, so I, I'm doing all right. But you know, as a child, I used to be so embarrassed by my mom instead of being so grateful because she was kind and she was wonderful and she was such a wonderful mum. And sometimes we can miss the good things that are there because we become so obsessed with one thing in the relationship that somebody either does or the way they drink their tea or the way they do a certain thing or the way they pick the nose when they're driving and flick it somewhere. Whatever they do, I'm not making any insinuations into anyone in my family, by the way, when I say that, apart from maybe myself. There are things that people do who we're in relationship with who very often we can focus on it so much that we become quite obsessed with it. Look at the good things that are growing up in their life. Champion them in those and you will see them grow in them areas. Instead, if you pick fault and pick fault and pick fault all the time, then the only thing you and the person you're relating to will focus on is that one thing. That one thing that you don't like. That one thing that embarrasses you. That one thing that frustrates you. Instead, look at the good. Look at the good and it will cause the weeds to be quashed. It will cause them not to grow. When you've got good soil, be grateful. But remember to look after it well. The third battle I think we face, and this has been a real big one for me during my life, is relationships you have versus relationships that you don't have. And I've spent a lot of my life living and hoping and believing for the relationships that I haven't actually had at that point in time. And because I've done that, when I was single, I was constantly focused on I want to find a boyfriend. I want to get married. When I was married, I was focused on, but I want to be a mom and why can't I get pregnant and I want to have a baby. And I didn't enjoy the moments that I was in. When I was young and in my friendships, I was constantly looking for, where, where can I find a good friend? And in fact, I left myself lacking in so many areas because all I was focusing on was the things that I wanted that I hadn't got. Instead of focusing upon the wonderful things that I did have, the blessings that I had through being single, the blessings that I had in when it was me and Paul and we didn't have kids. And very often when you look back in hindsight, with everything really, hindsight is a wonderful gift. And you think, why didn't I enjoy that more? Why didn't I enjoy the friendships that I had in college more? Why didn't I make the most of them? Why didn't I enjoy being single more? Why didn't I make the most of it more instead of just focusing all the time on wanting something that I didn't have? Why didn't I enjoy the time with Paul more before we had kids and we could sleep? Why didn't I enjoy these things? But I didn't. And I want to encourage you this morning, sometimes we can be so desperate and have such a need to be loved and we have such a need to love others that we don't actually enjoy where we're at. And the reason this is such an issue is because we never won that first battle. We never won that battle of God versus people. And if you're struggling where you're at and you're not happy in your relationships, and I'm not talking if there's problems in your relationships and difficulties, that's a whole other game. But if you're just constantly looking for the next thing, for the next relationship, for the next person who you can love and who can love you, then you've got to go back to that first battle and put God first. Because if you put God first... Then everything else will be added to you. If you put God first, then you will find contentment where you're at. You can enjoy the season you're in and not worry about grabbing and grasping for somebody to love you and for you to be able to love somebody because you will suddenly realize that the king of kings and the lord of lords that the maker of the entire universe sent his son to die for you and loves you with such an amazing such an exuberance such a big love that nothing else will ever come near in your lifetime and everything else is just the cherry on the top of the cake And if you don't like cherries, put something else on your cake. But God is that cake. He is the thing that will sustain you. He is the thing that will fulfill you. Everything else is decoration. When you're trying to make the relationships that you have, whether with your parents, whether with your kids, whether in your friendships, whether with a partner or your husband and wife, if you're trying to allow those relationships to sustain you and fill you, you need to go back to that first battle. You need to ask God to come in and fill you. You need to go back to that first love and allow him to fill you in a way he's never done before. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, we're talking about glorifying God. What is the best way to glorify him? It's to be thankful no matter where we find ourselves in life. It's to be thankful when we think, I've just got no friends. I've had seasons, I'm sure many of you have, and you think, I've got no friends. I don't feel like I have. Where you think, I'm just so desperate for a partner, for a husband, for a wife. Give thanks in the season that you're in. If you're desperate to have children, give thanks in the season that you're in. I know it's not easy, but if you can give thanks, and you may say, Well, you're married, you've got kids. I haven't always been. But if you can learn to give thanks in the season that you're in, to be patient, to keep asking, then it will bring such glory to God that those around you will think, Wow, they don't live like normal people live. They are content, they're happy, even though. When people are close to you, they'll know that you want these things. It's not that it's a secret or you pretend it's not real. Be honest, be open, but be content, be patient. And you may sit there and go, but I just don't know how. Go back to the first battle. Go back. You've got to live in the now, not the not yet. But you've got to have faith for the not yet in the now. I say it again because I think that's quite good. (laughs) I wrote that myself, by the way. You've got to live in the now, not the not yet. And have faith for the not yet in the now. And the final, the fourth and final battle is this. And I'm sure there are many more. It's past versus future. At the beginning of this year when we looked at endeavouring to be greater, endeavouring as a church, endeavouring as individuals, one of the things that we talked about was getting on board. Get on board about going on a journey from where we're at into something greater, into something more. And I want to encourage you and remind you again about that this morning. That as a church, we can go on a journey from the past where we have been to the future of all God has for us. But as individuals in your relationships, you can go on a journey from your past. And they may be multicolored and varied And as they come. But you can go on a journey from that past and whatever that has brought for you into the future the problem often is the past and the future are at odds with one another because to move to the future we have to let go of the past and if we're not willing to let go of the past it doesn't mean we forget things it doesn't mean we don't love people who've perhaps been who've who've gone and left us it doesn't mean that what it means is that we let it go and we get on board And we allow God to take us on a new voyage, a new discovery into the future of something greater. Because otherwise what will happen is those relationships from your past will constantly hold on to you and draw you back. They're like reins to a horse. They're like a lead on a dog. They will constantly hold you back. They're like when you put reins on a child or one of them wrist things, I don't know what you call them. It's like when you do that and the child is desperate to run. Mommy, I can walk now, let me go. And you're thinking, Oh no, not a chance. But old and now, we do that for reasons of safety. But I know that when we take our dog Pepper out, Paul loves to let her off the lead. I'm scared to death because she just ignores me and does whatever she wants, and kills squirrels and does violent things to things. And runs away and I'm chased around the street when she's chasing cats. So I'm like on the lead all the time. But you know, when things hold on to us, we're not free. When I see Paul let the dog off and she runs and the joy that she has from running, the joy that a child has from being free when you've got an open space and you can just let them run round, the joy that they experience. God wants you to be free. God wants those relationships not to have a hold on you anymore and pull you back and pull you back. But God wants to bring freedom into your life. But you need unhooking from your past and to step into your future. Isaiah 61, and it's quite a long part of the Bible, says this, if you bear with me. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to comfort the broken-hearted and proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty or ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repair cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in the land. An everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me with a robe of righteousness I am a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels the sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world everyone will praise him his righteousness will be like the garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere When we let go of those things that have held us and there's a divine exchange this morning that God wants you to go on where you let go of your past and leave it at the foot of the cross and God will hand you your future. God wants to give comfort instead of your broken heartedness. God wants to bring release instead of you being captive. God has got favor where now you mourn. God has got a crown of beauty for the ashes that you may sit in. There is joyous blessing if you find yourself mourning. And there is praise, not despair. I've read this before, but I really felt impressed upon me to read it again. And I've I've had to write it down from memory so i've only got one verse of it and this some of you'll know what i'm doing when i start this is a poem that a 16 year old girl wrote and this is only the first verse because i haven't got the rest of it with me it says this no way out no way out locked in without a doubt no seals or doors trapped this place can never be mapped And it goes on to talk about how this girl was trapped within herself because of relationships that she'd had and and love that had gone wrong. And the reason I read you that this morning is because I want to give you hope. Not that that sounds particularly hopeful. But I want to encourage you that where you're mourning, there is joyous blessing. Where there's ashes, there is beauty. And the reason I know it is because I wrote that poem when I was 16 years old and I was a mess and I had depression and I self-harmed and I had eating disorders and I was seeing a counsellor. And God has restored me and healed me and set me free and built me back up as an oak of righteousness so that everything that went on in my life and the relationships that damaged and hurt me had no longer got a grip on me because I understood that I had to come to the cross of Jesus Christ and lay it all down so through a divine exchange there would be something new. That there is new wine skins for the old wine. Mark 22, sorry, Mark 2:22 says this: No one pours new wine into old wine skins; otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins this morning God has got a new wine skin for you. This morning, no matter what your past has held, no matter what has gone on, there is new wine waiting for you as you exchange your old wine skin for a new wine skin. Abandon your old wine skins. Change, bring refreshing, bring healing. God is for you. God is not against you because of your past. God is not ashamed of you. God doesn't just tuck you around the corner like they used to do with children in Victorian times because he thinks, well I won't won't put you on display because you're not a very good example of a Christian. But God wants to put you in the front line and shine a light on you and say look at my child look at what miracles have gone on if I can invite the band to come and join me. No matter what has gone on God wants to go on a daily journey with you where you can encounter his grace, where you can encounter his love, and where you can understand that there is an exchange that can go on for you. If you surrender all that has gone before you and leave it at the foot of the cross so that you can get on board into your future.